Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to Spirit Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 175, Your Urban Legends, number 33. 33. Every time we we say the number, I'm just blown away that we've done this many episodes of Urban Legends, but I love them so much. I'm blown away that we are approaching episode 200. Yeah, that too. Wow. Okay. We just um, did some content planning for the next few months. We're very excited about what we're going to bring you. But I also think that we have to really do something special for episode 200, don't you think? Yeah, I got to think about what I want to do and what what our listeners would like the most. If you have suggestions, this is the one time I'm going to ask if you guys have suggestions, please tell me them. <laughs> if there's something special that you want us to cover for episode 200. Oh, lovely. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, my gosh. And also, listen, new patrons, you are just in time. Evan, Noel, Mickey, and Steven, you are joining us when we love and need you all the most. And you're joining the ranks of such distinguished fellow patrons as our supporting producers, Landon, Nikki, Tyree, Megan, Deborah, Molly, Skyla, Samantha, Sammy, Neil, Jessica, and Phil Fresh. Yes, and of course, our legend-level patrons, the WWE champions of our heart. Milena, Francis, Clara, Lacey, Brittany, Josie, Kylie, Morgan, BME Up Scotty, Audra, Chris, Mark, Mr. Folk, Sarah, and Jack Marie. You know, Julia, I'm a, a proud paying subscriber of Dropout College Humor's uh, streaming service. And there mm-hmm. was a question on Um Actually, which is like Jeopardy, but for nerds. And I asked a question about WWE and I knew it and I felt so <gasps> proud of myself. What was the question? Now I need to know. Um, it was so they sort of say a um, a statement and then you have to correct them by saying um actually and then saying what in that statement was wrong. Mm-hmm. And this one was about the Hall of Fame. And it was like, oh, yes, well, the Hall of Fame was established um, in the then WWF. And I was like, no way. The Hall of Fame wasn't established until it was already a WWE. And it was right. <laughs> Very good. I'm proud of you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm also really proud of the beer choice that you brought for this episode, Amanda. I'm really excited for you to tell people about it after our refill, but I really enjoyed just kind of taking in some local beers, you know, supporting the local businesses around New York and for Eric, Ohio. And it was really nice to kind of drink local. Absolutely. We love highlighting local beers and craft beers during Urban Legends episodes and so excited and proud to be able to bring some love to KCBC, the Kings County Brewers Collective, who I think I've got four shirts by them. Love when a brewery <laughs> also has great merch. It's just my favorite thing. I'm wearing an Austin Eastsiders one right now. You just you got to love it. Love it. Um, Speaking of which, Julia, have you been reading, watching or listening to anything good this week? I have. You know, I have a lot of time once I finish working for the day. I've just been marathoning through this book and it's nonfiction. So usually nonfiction books take me a little bit longer, but I'm so enjoying it. It's called The Ghost of Eden Park by Karen Abbott. Ooh. And it is about the bootlegger George Remus. And he his like eventual downfall as he tries to uh, go up against the U.S. government, a corrupt U.S. government, no less. And also his... Aren't they all? Yeah. <laughs> and also his kind of strained relationship with his wife. So it's really, really interesting. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. You picked this one up at Book People in Austin, right? I did. I did. Book People had such a great selection of books. And I picked up stuff that I normally wouldn't pick up if I was ordering, say, from like online local indie bookstore. Lovely. Uh, I love that so much. And everybody, if you are like, oh, man, I I want more stuff to listen to and watch and read this week, and you already tear your way through or request from your library, Ghost of Eden Park, we are so excited to tell you that we are piloting a new podcast. So this was an idea um, that Mike Schubert brought up many months ago, actually, and we thought that this was the perfect time to make it a reality. So Julia, tell us a little bit about Meddling Adults. So Meddling Adults, you can find it on the multi-crew feed. If you haven't signed up for the multi-crew, you should do it. It's fantastic. You can sign up right now at multicrew.club. Just five bucks. But Meddling Adults is hosted by Mike. The first episode features me and editor Eric. Basically, Mike read us a bunch of Encyclopedia Brown books and we had to figure out the mysteries before Encyclopedia Brown did. And let me tell you, I have never felt sillier than when I was not able to solve 
children's books for children. It is so fun. It is it's witty. It is a little bit sardonic. It is very entertaining. It is very fascinating in the clues and the mystery. Mm-hmm. And we are going to let the multi-crew listen and give us some feedback and let us know what they would and wouldn't like to see. So if you want to participate in that pilot process, you can join at multicrew.club for now. And then depending on the response, we will hopefully make it a public full-fledged show later in the spring. Yeah. And you guys are really going to enjoy it. Definitely check it out. And again, you can sign up right now at multicrew.club. And finally, speaking of uh, little clubs here, we want to let you know that next week's Myth Movie Night is going to be Jason and the Argonauts, the 1963 version. The special effects are incredible and it's fully available on YouTube for you to stream. Yeah, I think that was we just recorded it recently. And I think that was one of my favorite Myth Movie Nights that we've done so far. So definitely check it out. Check out the movie. It is under two hours long. It is worth seeing, in my opinion. Here's the thing. It's a great movie. <laughs> Myth Movie Night movies are not always fantastic. They're often educational, sometimes entertaining. But this one, I could like put it on in the background anytime. Yeah, it was it was delightful. And I think that y'all will enjoy that. And also our discussion about the real Jason myth. It was so much fun. So that's next week on Myth Movie Night. And without further ado, conspirators, we hope you're well. We're thinking of you. We love seeing your tweets and your stories every day on Instagram and Twitter, reminding us that we are a whole family out there doing our best. So we love you. We'll see you next week. And now, without further ado, enjoy episode 175, Your Urban Legends, number 33. So, Eric, it seems that you have reached a a parenting milestone with uh, your boys where you kick them out as you're recording. I'm impressed. Well, I only kick them out because uh, Kelsey is also working from home. Uh, So they're they're still being watched. Otherwise, they would be in here making sure. But we did reach another milestone, which was we have broken the record for most days in a row without Henry having an accident in the house. Look at that. Which is very, very great. He's really he's really doing his part during these trying times to to not <laughs> cause any stress. I'm so happy for the boys. They're doing their best. Yeah, it's 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 very exciting. How are you guys all all doing? We're doing good, you know. I'm excited to read some stories cuz I feel like this is the longest I get to spend talking to you guys each week and it makes me happy. Yeah, yeah it makes me happy to uh think about ghosts and other easy problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should we should just so the listeners know we are recording this on March 24th. I think it's coming out in two weeks. So the situation right now is precarious. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it's a bit better when you're all listening to this. Yeah, these have been the longest few weeks ever in my yeah. entire life. So mm-hmm. yep, mm-hmm. that's for sure. Well, who would like to start? How about I start? And I'm going to start with mechanic ghosts and my girlfriend's haunted childhood home. Ooh. Oh. Uh, And this was sent in by Victor, and they write, Hi, all. I started listening to Spirits about six months ago and absolutely love your show, with Hometown Urban Legends being my favorite. Stories about the supernatural have always intrigued me, and hearing stories from everyone's hometowns is just an absolute blast to listen to. Although many people's stories go back to when they were kids, my only two encounters with the supernatural have happened to me in my adult life. I grew up and now live in a normal-sized small town in South Africa where there aren't really any urban legends that I know of. However, I work at a car dealership in the service department for about eight years now. When I was an apprentice all those years back and a mechanic, our manager always told us about the ghosts that would come in at night in our workshop. Okay, can we please guess what the ghost's preferred haunting is going to be? Hmm. Mm. A Toyota Corolla. Is no 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 like the like the the thing that they are doing to haunt is it oh, you know oh. causing like mechanical problems? I think that's too easy. I think that's too predictable. Mm. I think it's a floating wrench. That would be pretty spooky. <laughs> okay. All right, all right, I'm in for it. I, I just recently watched The Invisible Man because it was available oh. on Amazon Prime, and oh boy, that was good. And there was a lot of just like spooky floating objects throughout. It was great. Very good. I always loved the stories and made them out to be jokes. However, last year, our manager retired and I was promoted to the new manager. So this means I found myself working late most nights. And many of these nights, I was completely alone in the dealership. At first, things started very subtly. The workshop is very small, very old and outdated, with my small office located in the corner of the workshop with a small doorway in the workshop area. 
The first few nights, I heard small creaks and noises. However, our town and area is notoriously windy, and I just summed it up as being the wind that was making the old roof creak. Only a few nights later did the noise start to intensify, with sounds of movement in the workshop as well as the clear, loud sound of tools being dropped and toolboxes being shut. Eric, call that one. Called it. Okay. Here's the other thing that's that, like, a garage is a very large space, Mm -hmm. which means it just can feel, even even with a lot of cars in there, it can probably feel very empty. So I imagine it's like, ooh, where's what coming from? (laughs) All the sound bounces. It's all concrete. (laughs) Yes. You can never tell where that sound's coming from. So they continue, with the workshop in complete darkness and my office the only light shining through, I try to investigate, but find nothing. This continues for the next couple of nights that I find myself working late. Up until this point, it has not bothered me too much, but the last straw was when I was working late one night, and instead of a loud noise from the far part of the workshop, the loud noise was directly next to my office. No. No good. No good. At this point, a man stands up directly next to my office window and starts casually walking into the workshop. I was frozen in place and had no idea what to think or do about the situation. I picked up all my paperwork, put away my laptop, and left. Since that night, I take all of my work home with me instead of working late again in that workshop. Smart. Very smart. Very, very proactive. I appreciate the the choice. You removed yourself from the situation, which is what we always recommend. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I recommend also ignoring the problem. <laughs> okay. This is where you and I differ. No, no, no. I, I, but no the, the, well, that's the plot. But I also agree that it is important to lead. Yes. I say you ignore and then get out. You don't you don't you don't investigate and get out. See, you're an investigator and get out. <laughs> okay. I'm an ignore and get out. Yeah, I don't need to know the mystery I'm leaving behind. Me. I I don't think you can ignore it at that point. I'm leaving that mystery behind. I don't need to know. No, I I'm pro leaving the mystery behind. I am against laying in bed being like, if I don't look and see what it is, it can't right. hurt me. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Victor has a second encounter, um, and this is one that still haunts them to this day. Um, And it's why they hate staying over at their girlfriend's mother's house. So they start. My girlfriend. I mean, the in laws, am I right? (laughs) Am I right? (laughs) Oof, oof, a doof. Sleeping in separate sofa beds. Oh, no. The worst. Even when it's like a futon or a pullout couch. Ugh, terrible. My girlfriend stays in the city, which is an hour's drive from our town, so we make turns visiting each other over weekends. One weekend, we decided to go visit her mother instead and stayed in the house that she grew up in. The house is quite old and very big, with a long hallway from the kitchen past all of the rooms towards the main bedroom at the end, which leads to the second floor with a small flight of stairs. So after a nice night in with the family, we decided it was time for bed, and we slept in her childhood room. At least it's not separate beds. This is a plus here. Hey. Very good. Very good. Somewhere during the night, I woke up and started to feel uneasy. I was still half asleep, but had this horrible feeling of being watched. So I turned over, and at the foot of the bed, I saw two tall figures standing shoulder to shoulder, holding hands. No. Too close. No. Too close. I, I do like that they're holding hands, so that's kind of cute. It's Social so, distancing. It's so ominous, Julia. It's so <laughs> ominous. I could see that it was a man and a woman, and they were staring down at us. The man's face was hardly visible. However, I could see the woman, and she had an eerie wide smile and wide mm. large eyes. Okay, I'm back on team. This is bad. I tried to wake my girlfriend up at this point and told her there were two people in the room, which she replied to half asleep herself that I was imagining it and should go back to sleep. I rolled back over and tried to sleep, knowing there was no chance in hell I was going to get up and walk past those two. Okay, this is in this situation, I agree. If you have to walk past the ghost, that is a problem. Yes, that is fine. When I looked over my shoulder, the woman would start to lean away from the man and would widen her eyes even more, looking me directly in the face. I turned back over and tried to force myself to go back to sleep to the best of my ability, but this unfortunately did not happen. I was awake the rest of the night until morning, but did not look up once because I feared seeing the smiling woman again look back at me. 
In the morning hours, my girlfriend awoke and started getting up, and this is when I looked for the first time to see the two figures gone. Later in the kitchen with our morning coffee, I told everyone what I experienced. My girlfriend could not remember that I woke her up during the night. However, her response and the response of her mother was that many people who stayed over had mentioned sightings, but it was quote-unquote strange that I saw something in the bedroom because everyone always tells them that the one single tall dark figure that stands at the the end of the hallway leading <laughs> you know, to the mother's one? bedroom. You know, just the one tall figure. Oh, no. You know, just one. Yeah. Sometimes that's fine. Why there was two figures now and both of them in the bedroom, we don't know. But I do know that I try and get any excuse not to stay over her mother's house again. This is a great excuse not to stay over yeah. here in laws. I love it. Horrifying. Oh, boy. Very good. Oh, Julia, that was a really good one to start us off with. Uncharacteristically, I have a sweet one now. If, if we want <gasps> a little like reprieve. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's do okay. it. So this is from Nim, who writes, Hey, spirits, I was really excited to write in when something finally happened I could tell you about. However, as I was sitting down to write this email, a spooky thing happened. So I thought I'd include that, too. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Love it. So the the titular story I saw at Kelpie begins. Hmm. <laughs> I was out on a theater tour in Scotland, which sometimes means getting up on the road pretty early. One such morning, we set off in the dark and we were driving east, so pretty much directly into a gorgeous sunrise. I was up front in the van with the driver and the rest of the cast were in the back. Most people are sleeping or listening to music, but if you're up front with the driver, it's sort of an unspoken rule that you stay awake to keep them company, give directions, etc. Sure, sure. Makes sense. We turn a corner onto this gorgeous stretch of road that goes up to a mountain on our right and sloping down away from us on the left. Because we turned a corner, the sun was now on our left, coming up over some hills in the distance. I was looking down into the valley, and on the far side of the empty field, I see a man walking toward the road with the sun behind him, casting him in shadow. As we get closer to him, he stops, and the sun kind of flares as it comes out from behind the cloud. And then the man was gone. Literally, he was nowhere to be seen. And in his place, exactly where he was standing, was a black horse. Oh my looking god. right at us as we passed. There was no way the man ran back down to the valley and the fields had no horses when we turned to the corner again. Being a spirits listener, I immediately was like, holy shit, that was a Kelpie. No one in the van knew what a Kelpie was, so didn't really care and said I was just seeing things or whatever. But I was wide awake doing my front seat job and I was mega excited about what I had just seen. I have an important question. Was the horse wet? Well, as, as a black horse, I think it's more challenging to see at a distance than others. Mm, um, but Nim, if you are, are hearing this, please write in and let us know. The whole beginning of that with like the positioning of the sun and stuff, I was like, is this a riddle? What's happening? <laughs> Do I need to know what <laughs> way the shadow is facing? The compass pointed south. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. But then let's get to the, the uh, spooky thing as this email was being written. Ooh. So as I was sitting down to write the email, I decided who writes emails without snacks? So naturally, I went snack hunting. My mom was asleep, so I have to keep the landing light in the downstairs hallway light off as I go down to the kitchen. I walked down the stairs in the dark, which I hate doing, it always creeps me out, and went into the dining room. It was dark, but I could see slight outlines of objects. As I walked through the doorway, there was this pitch black silhouette directly in front of me, so close that I literally walked into it. My stomach flipped and I got this horrid feeling that I'd just done something really rude, like I'd walked head on into a stranger in the street. I had to pause a moment while this sensation passed, and then I turned the lights on just to check, and obviously couldn't see anything. Being British, I decided the best course of action was to apologize, so I addressed whatever it was that I just disturbed and said, hey, I'm really sorry for walking into you just now. I hope you have a good night. Good, polite. I took a breath and got my snacks and went to switch the lights off, quickly apologized once again, and headed upstairs. As I put my foot on the first step, I felt a very gentle pat on my shoulder, which I'm taking to mean no hard feelings. That's very cute and also very scary. When things are corporeal, it is worse. Yeah. Uh, see, I'm, I don't know. I think it's kind of better. Obviously, it's, it's a more chaotic haunting, but I just feel like the, the more corporeal it is, like if it leaves footprints, if it leaves, you know, tracks, whatever, like at least you can convince yourself that something was actually there. But I don't want something to have actually been yes. there. Yes. <laughs> corporeal means it That's could hurt me. That's the difference. <laughs> Fair I want enough. there to be I want it to be like, oh, like when you like don't have your phone in your pocket and you feel it vibrate. <laughs> I rather experience that but ghostly than actually have evidence something was in my room with yes, me. I agree. Yeah. 
All right, fair enough. I guess in a situation where something was definitely there and either you have to convince yourself Eric Schneider style that nothing really happened or (laughs) you can face reality Amanda style and be like, fuck. I don't know, man. I'm fine with it being there. I just don't want to acknowledge it. That's fair. I've got a story from Andrea titled The One Time My Brother Was a Creepy Child and We Should Have Listened to Him. Ooh. Ooh. You have to listen to the... No, don't. Actually, I take it back. (laughs) Don't have to listen to the creepy children. So Andrea writes, back in 2001, my family took a vacation to the Grand Canyon. I was eight years old at the time and my brother was three. We stayed in a town near the Grand Canyon that offered a train ride to and from the national park. Hold on, I pause real quick. Why do all of the creepy children's stories revolve around some sort of family vacation? All of the ones that I can think of in my head are like, oh yeah, you know, we went on a trip and then I met a ghost child and my parents don't remember it at all. <laughs> we were in the Catskills mm-hmm. and in the cabin. Well, they're yeah. often also at national parks. I thought that's what you were going to say. Is that like, yes, ah, oh. this grand thing that our, our nation, you know, keeps for future generations, mega haunted. We may never know. All right, national parks haunted. You heard it here. I want to get like a national park poster, but it's oh, like all yeah. like haunted like slogans instead. Spooky parks. Oh, Someone make yeah. those for me, please. Yes. Also, a call for uh, for national and state park hauntings, whether in the U.S. or other countries. Let's know mm. about it. It's a great idea. My family took a train ride over to the canyon. And I have to be honest, I really don't remember that much about it. I was <laughs> A lot has happened since then, and my mind has to make room for other memories. But this memory is the clearest that I have from that day. My family was waiting to board the train to head back to town we were staying in. When my brother burst into tears, my mom was concerned and asked him why I was crying. My brother, through his tears, said, the train told me it's going to crash. No. Bad, bad. Clairvoyant child. It's bad. I hate it. Don't get on that train. My parents looked confused but brushed off what he said and tried to soothe him by saying the train was not going to crash. As we began boarding, my brother kept crying. And as we got nearer, he began screaming and trying to run away, oh, he kept no. shouting, I don't want to get on. It's going to crash. Oh, smart, babe. smart child. I was confused as heck, to say the least. As a basic older sister, I thought my brother was full of it. And this scene he was causing was cramping my style. Mood. I tried to help my parents calm down my brother and was able to get my brother to stop crying with a classic bribe. He could pick any snack from the snack cart. <gasps> and that seemed to do it. We sat down, the train began moving, and not long after that, we were traveling quickly through the desert. We were cruising along the desolate land for quite some time, and then the trains started to slow down until it stopped completely. We were not near our destination at all. So what do you think is about to happen? The train broke down in the desert, and they're going to have to wait hours for someone to come get them. Okay. Amanda, do you have a guess? Uh, I think that is quite likely. I think they're going to see some kind of like silhouette or sight out of the train windows. All righty. Here we go. Some people were getting on board the train and we realized it was cowboys that were robbing the train. (laughs) No. No. Don't worry. It was just stick for the train ride. Getting robbed by cowboys out in the Wild West. People handed them tips, though I found this weird. These men didn't really do anything (laughs) and were giving them money anyways. This was the second biggest mystery to me from that day. Now, here's the thing. You might have actually just been robbed by some, like, weird 90s cowboys. Because if they were just giving people tips (laughs) for no actual reason, it seems like you might have actually been robbed. That's a great heist, though. Like, if if your heist is your robber posing as a robber, that's awesome. (laughs) All right. Yeah, we just do this for the kids. We just do this yeah. for the kids. Also, you should give us pearls, money. ma'am. We're definitely not we're definitely associated with the train. Wink. Sorry, that should be in a southern accent. One of the like conductors or ticket takers is in on it, you know, they yeah, let you exactly. on the train. Like, come on, it's a pretty good grift. It's gotta be really the good. engineer. The engineer stops the train and then they get yeah. like a thirty percent split. There you go. After this stunt was over, everyone was waiting for the train to begin moving again. But for a while nothing happened. Passengers were becoming concerned, and eventually the conductor informed us that the train could not move forward. While this cowboy scam was occurring, the conductor was taking a walk outside to pass the time. There was a storm that had passed through earlier that day, and the conductor noticed that this storm had washed out part of the tracks not far ahead from where the train had stopped. Oh, no. Yes. Had the train not stopped where it did, the train would have derailed and crashed. (gasps) Dang, that's serious. Dang, listen to your child. You better believe my parents and I were freaking out. We looked to my brother who was calmly sitting in his seat enjoying a snack and tried to pull 
together how he could have known this would have happened. Of course, then I became scared. We were stuck in the desert and it was getting dark and my three-year-old brother was a medium, so I began to cry. <laughs> the tables had turned because my brother was now calming me down, telling me help was on the way. Hours later, vans drove up next to the train and all the passengers disembarked the train and climbed into the vans. We eventually made it back to our hotel safe and sound, but I still think about how lucky we were that we made it back that way. And when you better believe that when we were getting on our plane to fly home, my, my parents asked my brother if the plane said anything to him. He said no. To this day, my parents tell this story. It somehow gives them chills. My brother has never spoken ominously since. So that's a positive in my book. It's funny because now as an adult, he doesn't remember this happening. And he's tired of hearing the story about him being a creepy child. We never have been able to figure out whose voice that was that warned my brother. All we can conclude is there is someone who must have been looking out for us and keeping especially close to my brother. Dang. Wow. I'm, I, I like the I like the idea that they were like, is did the plane talk to you? And he's like, no, it's a plane. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, that's very good. I do feel a little bit parched, though, after that desert scene. Anyone want to refill? Mm. Yeah, let's go grab one. That'd be great. Amanda, I have been cooking a lot at home, but there's only so many meals that I can cook that I am an expert in. For instance, I can't make sushi. I don't know how to make sushi. I don't have access to premium grade tuna. And so I am so grateful, especially right now, that I can just order sushi whenever I need from DoorDash. Yeah, one of those foods that I wish I could cook and one of these days I'm going to get into is fried chicken. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like I, I can't carry that much oil home from the supermarket. I don't have a vessel that's big enough. Mm -hmm. My stove is small. So being able to get chicken from my local pies and thighs, which is an incredible um, kind of mini chain here in New York, is so lovely. Yeah. And the great thing is DoorDash is bringing all of your flavors to your door. So ordering is super easy. You just open the DoorDash app. You choose what you want to eat. Your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Make sure you tip your drivers. It's very important right now. Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash or your favorite fried chicken place, Amanda, but there are over 310,000 restaurant partners in over 4,000 cities. So you might just find a new favorite, especially nowadays. With door-to-door -door delivery in all 50 U.S. states, in Puerto Rico, in Canada, in Australia, you can order from all your local go-tos or you can choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle or Wendy's or Cheesecake Factory. Amanda loves a Cheesecake Factory. Mm, gotta love it. And with DoorDash, you never have to worry about your next meal. So right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code CREEPY. Again, that's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code CREEPY. Again, don't forget, that's CREEPY for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. We are also sponsored this week by HoneyBook. And when, like me, you've been lucky enough to turn your creative passion into your full-time job, um, it, it might surprise you how much of your time is spent doing things like drafting proposals, creating contracts, and chasing down payments. Just got off the phone with somebody trying to chase down a payment. It is a big part of my week. But the good news for me and for all of you is that HoneyBook can help with those tedious administrative tasks so you can get back to doing what it is that you love. So HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one place. And my favorite thing, they already integrate with things like QuickBook, Google Suite, Excel, and MailChimp, all the services that you rely on. And with HoneyBook, best of all, you can also automate your busy work. They have easy-to-use templates for emails, proposals, brochures, invoices, all those little things where it's like, oh, I need this document, but it takes so much time to make on your own. They have e-signatures, automation to save you time. E-signatures are so clutch. And generally, help you simplify your to-do list and stay in control. And right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners half off when you visit HoneyBook.com slash spirits. That payment is flexible, so the promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually at honeybook.com slash spirits. That's honeybook.com slash spirits for 50% off your first year. Amanda, right now, I'm really only going outside for food and liquor. And this is when Shaker and Spoon really is coming into play for me. So Shaker and Spoon is a subscription cocktail service that helps you learn how to make handcrafted cocktails right at home. I miss going to bars so much because I just like a good, well-crafted cocktail, but now I can make them at home. 
Every box comes with enough ingredients to make three different cocktail recipes developed by world-class mixologists. All you have to do is buy one bottle of that month's spirit, and then you have all you need to make 12 drinks at home. And what I love is that it is really affordable. It's definitely not unusual, especially here in a big city, to spend 40 or $50 out for two people at a craft cocktail bar. So the fact that you can get 12 drinks worth of materials for just 40 or $50 per month, plus the cost of the spirit, is really cost-effective, and it's a great way not just just to enjoy craft cocktails at home, but also to be able to build up those skills and to learn how to do it. Like Eric Silver famously learned, nutmeg is just a nut. We got a nut of nutmeg and you just grate it into a drink. And it's amazing. I learned how to do fat washing of glasses and how to use egg whites and drinks. And so I really do feel like over the last couple of years of enjoying Shaker and Spoon, I've been introduced to new spirits that I never had before and really got the chance not just to like try it and leave the bottle up on my shelf in my small apartment, but being able to use that entire bottle in lots of different drink styles to make multiple of the same drink because you love it so much, you want to have it again the next night. And that really is the beauty of Shaker and Spoon. Yeah, and I think right now is a great time to make yourself a cocktail, have a virtual happy hour with a bunch of your friends with your shaker and spoon boxes, and then really just enjoy each other's company and stuff. Best of all, you can get $20 off your first box of shaker and spoon. Now, listen, the bots keep stealing our discount codes, and they are only for spirits listeners, not for bots, not even one bot. So look in the description of this podcast episode for a link that will automatically apply the newest code to your order. So go ahead into the description for $20 dollars off your first shaker and spoon box say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And now let's get back to the show. So guys, we are all drinking local and supporting our local breweries right now. Uh, but I wanted to brag right now about the thing that I got delivered yesterday, um, which is Fear the Sunset, a pastry stout from Kings County Brewers Collective, KCBC, uh, which is just a couple miles from my house. Uh, it is a 16% uh, pastry cool. stout, with uh, coconut, Yikes. coffee, vanilla, and hazelnuts. It is not boozy at all. It tastes like wow. a milkshake. It is amazing. Wow. I'm going to have to order some of those to my local beer distributor and grab some. It is so good. I can't get over it. Mm. So this is from Wyatt, and it is titled A Visitor in the Night or My Overly Long Campus Legend. And I think I'm going to read the first couple because he sent in five stories and I think I'm going to read the first couple and then the rest we'll save for our bonus episode for our patrons. Very nice. So he starts, I've been listening to Spirits for quite a while, but I just binged through the Urban Legends and was inspired to share my very spooky, it's typed out like that, yeah. experience with a campus urban legend. The story I'd like to recount spans the duration of my freshman year and I think would be best as told in a series of vignettes. A lot of smaller things happen, but I think I have to capture the most important bits for your enjoyment and fear. Without much further ado, here's my story. The first is A Bump in the Night. Yeah. During my first year of college, I moved into a pretty standard issue dorm. Four walls, two beds, two desks, and overall very symmetrical. The only semi-interesting piece was the closet space, which was a built-in that surrounded the door. On each side of the door, there was a large open closet without doors, with drawers underneath and cupboards above. When you walked into the dorm, you would have the closet walls on either side, and there would be a cupboard above you until you walked about three feet into the room. This okay. will be important later. <laughs> Again, I feel like I'm solving a riddle. Oh, yeah. Some good overhead storage. No, I'm, I'm picturing it really well. My new roommate and I settled in, and about a week in, something unusual happened. In the late night hours, I woke up to a sound. I sat up a little and saw my roommate had been woken up, too. Before we could say anything, there was a loud bang that sounded from the middle of the room between us. It sounded like someone had dropped a large textbook against the tile floor, making a sort of hard slapping sound. At the time, we were spooked, but not very familiar with dorm acoustics or our neighbors, so we brushed it off as a noisy dorm in the wee hours of the night. In hindsight, that sound absolutely was not coming from above or below or anywhere outside of our room. Oh boy. But that's totally a thing. Like the a first night in a new place, I think everybody is a little bit spooked out. Yeah, it can be, it can be scary at times. 
The next vignette is A Shadow in the Night. Weeks later, after the memory of the bump in the night was mostly put into storage, it was an otherwise ordinary night. My roommate and I were both sleeping, and I woke up suddenly. Immediately remembering the last time I woke up in the night, I looked over to my roommate, but he was sound asleep. As my eyes adjusted to the darkness a little bit, I saw something strange. Next to my roommate's bed, there appeared to be a dark and vague figure. I could make out the shape of a head and shoulders, but the darkness and my roommate's bed prevented me from seeing much below about elbow height. As I looked at the figure, I noticed it was positioned between me and the closet, such that it must have been a dark sweatshirt hanging by its hood on my roommate's closet, and due to my sleepiness and the angle and darkness, my eyes were inventing a spooky image. Latching onto that conclusion, I quickly closed my eyes and eventually fell back asleep. In the morning, I had a cruelly early 7.30 a.m. calculus class, so I was awake before my roommate. Oh, God. As I was getting up, I glanced over at his closet, and it all came rushing back. I stared blankly, seeing that, in fact, there were only t-shirts hanging in my roommate's closet, and the hook that I expected to see a sweatshirt ominously hanging was actually in a different part of the closet entirely. I'm not sure what I saw, but there was something very dark in the room that night looming between myself and a mostly empty closet. Haunted hoodie. That's the answer. The hoodie is haunted. It would be one thing if the hook was just empty, but the fact that the hook was somewhere else entirely is like, oh, damn. I'm going with haunted hoodie. (laughs) I like haunted hoodie. I actually think this is where I'm going to stop it and save the rest Mm. for our patrons for the bonus Patreon episode. Amazing. If you want to hear that episode in another bonus episode every dang month, patreon.com slash spirits podcast. Amanda, do you have another story to tell us? Is it as sweet as the first one? Uh, Oh, I sure do. This is from Becca. And it is definitely creepy and cool about um, experiencing haunting as a baby and her baby experiencing haunting. Oh, no. Generational hauntings? Bad. I don't know if it's generational. I don't know if it's just the places that they've lived, but we we can decide as we go through. So this is from uh, Becca, who says that she just finished binging Spirits from November 2019 to March 2020, where she listened wow. to one episode a day, which is bananas. Incredible. It's a lot of Spirits. Her favorite episodes are the Urban Legends ones. So she was very excited to write in with a couple different experiences. I think I'll take a page out of your book, Julia. I'll read two of them and save one for the bonus. In my early days, probably when I was about a year old, my parents bought a house behind a park here in Monongahela, Pennsylvania. Mm. The house was old and it was a duplex turned single family home built in the early 1900s. My parents were newlyweds and the prospect of having their own home was exciting. My dad started remodeling right away, putting down ceilings, opening and replacing walls, and doing the ever-so-traumatic popcorn ceiling-removing thing that most dads do. (laughs) So true. He said he always got a weird feeling in the home, but it was still exciting to him because every time a wall came down, he would find clippings from newspapers from the early 1900s tucked into the walls. Don't like it. Jars and coffee cans full of change saved by the previous homeowners during the Depression. Hey, you know what I hate? Finding things in walls. I hate finding things in walls, too. Um, and as a side note, he Oh, kept... I love finding a thing in a wall. That's so great. Eric, it's so creepy. But, but like, someone put it there. That's why? so cool. But why did they put it there? What was creepy. wrong with it? I'm I... fully on board with finding things in walls. Well... No, if I'm, like, a skeleton in a wall, bad. But if I find, like, a box with some old photographs, cool. I think that's extraordinarily haunted. Um, but I, I think I think Becca's dad agrees with you, Eric, because he kept all of the clippings in a family photo album bad. alongside a bunch so of bad. pictures of our grumpy cat named Oscar. <laughs> yeah. I want to be Oscar. Dad. He seems cool. So one day when my dad was alone in the house doing that awful popcorn ceiling thing, a big globe of drywall compound fell from the tool he was using onto his face. Oh, no. What was the appeal of popcorn ceilings? What was it? I have genuinely no idea besides I don't sound understand. baffling. I don't I'm know. Gonna, I'm going to find out. The reason popcorn ceilings uh, are also co- called acoustic ceilings is because they are better at absorbing sound. Right. Uh, this is part of the reason because of the increased surface area due to all the raised bumps, which is said to help muffle noise. You were right, Amanda. Well, it's still ugly. Yes. It's still so bad. So he rushed to the sink to rinse his eye out, as you do. And as he was bent over the sink washing his eyes, he felt a huge gust of wind and had the immediate feeling that someone rushed up on him and then felt a shove and hit his head on the sink. What the fuck? 
Terrified, he frantically looked for the someone that had shoved him, but subsequently found no one in the home and skedaddled out of there like nobody's business. My mom also said that she hated going up and down the stairs in that house. She always got the feeling that someone was waiting for her on either side of the stairs, with the feeling they wanted to push her up or down the stairs. My bedroom was at the top, so obviously this was unavoidable. These are very aggressive ghosts, and I'm not a fan of it. Yeah. This also brings back my, like, the one thing I was terrified of, um, like, housewise as a kid, which was someone, like, reaching up between the slats of the, like, open staircase and grabbing my foot. Mm -hmm. Because you had the open staircase. Yep. Yeah. Very bad. I was born in December, a few days before Christmas, and I'd always gotten Christmas-themed baby gifts, one of them including a Santa Claus who had a pull-down music box-style beard that my mom hung on the outside (laughs) of my crib. It's very funny. It was my favorite thing. Being an infant, I wasn't capable of pulling the beard down on my own, but my mom often heard it going off by itself. Uh Uh-oh. She would go into my room, find me laughing and giggling, with the Santa playing music and talking away, and she would just pull it down herself and leave me to nap. But understandably, she was suspicious. Every time she'd hear it, she would check on me and find me alone in my bed, happy and smiley. But she had a problem with the toy playing by itself. And one day, she let whatever was playing with me have it. She yelled at the top of her lungs that she wanted it to leave me be and to stop pulling the Santa's beard. Then she picked me up and carried me out of the room. We learned you need to be polite to ghosts. We have. They will forgive you for being rude, but you need to be polite. I totally agree, Julia, and I think this ghost does too, because the following night, my mom tucked me into bed and proceeded to hang the toy from my dresser across the room, so farther away than it was before. Mm. At about 2 a.m., the whole house was awakened to the sound of me screaming and crying, with the faint sounds of Christmas music playing from my bedroom. Oh, boy. What a creepy combo. Let, let's just it's say here, this is, this is a Yankee Candle factory of haunting right here. There's so many layers that it's, <laughs> it's confusing, it's muddling, I don't know what the scent is, and I just don't want to smell it anymore. Just screaming, but also jingle bells for some reason. So my mom rushed in to check on me, only to find me alone in my crib, sheets and pillow on the floor, all the dresser drawers open, and the Santa's beard completely pulled down, broken off from the amount of force used to pull it down one last time. Oh, extremely bad. Needless to say, we moved shortly after. Yeah, yeah, a good choice. Fuck me, man. That's so scary. It's an infant. Pack your bags, move away. Your house is haunted. Pack it and move for Becca. No good. So now for Becca's baby's haunting. So three years ago, my husband and I bought our first home and I was due with our first child. A month or two later, we were all moved in, the three of us now, and we were so happy to have our own little family in our own space. Our house was built in the 1900s, and it's very comfortable. It's a sturdy brick home and was quite move-in ready. We got it as an estate sale as the previous owner had passed away. I'm relatively in tune with my ability to be affected by presences of people who have passed, and I felt no negativity in the home, so we felt very comfortable buying it and moving in. But then we started to notice tiny hints of a haunting here and there, but neither ghost that we had seen gave us a bad feeling. Okay, so (laughs) Becca, by the way, uh, went from tiny hints of a haunting to neither of the ghosts were bad. We were seeing several ghosts at this point, but they weren't bad. Oh, also, God, tiny up. hints are, are too too big of hints. Yes, any mm-hmm. hint is too I want big no of a hint. Hints. Yeah, yeah. So often we would capture orbs in videos and photos and hear walking upstairs when we were downstairs. We figured out who our ghosts are, though, which gives us some peace of mind. One is a woman in her 50s with long, light hair, and she often stands on the stairs when we are in the living room and just watches us. She never lets us see her. She always vanishes whenever we notice that she's there. And she seems to give us the sort of like, I know you're here. I'm letting you live here. Just don't bother me kind of feeling. <sighs> okay. We've both seen her multiple times on different occasions and can give separate instances without hesitation, despite only recently discussing our similar experiences. As far as ghosts go, guys, this is fine. Uh, <laughs> Listen, if you're going to have a ghost in your home, look, isn't this an okay one? I'll say this is on the 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 more okay side of acceptable but is it <laughs> is it fine i'm not willing to commit to fine it's it's debatable really to be honest all right well the other spirit in our home is a small child around four years old a little blonde boy he wears 70s style clothing and i've seen him many times always out of the corner of my eye in the hall at the end of the kitchen as i wash dishes at my sink it's as if he comes down the stairs peeks around the banister just to see what's going on But when you realize he's there, he turns and runs up the stairs like he isn't supposed to be down here watching us. I like that. That's kind of cute. Well, he's not. He's not, Becca. He's not supposed to be there. A month or two living into the home. 
I heard a child yelling, Mama, Mama, at around three in the morning. Nope, nope, nope. Now, being relatively new to being a mother, it woke me right up. But my baby was three months old, so it couldn't have been her, and she wasn't able to speak yet. As we live at the top of the hill by a park, I opened the windows and listened to the whole block, but there were no people outside at three in the morning. It was at that point I decided that I was just going to be this little boy's new mom figure, and I welcomed his presence into our family, suspicious but honored to have been chosen by him as such. I feel like this is at least the third, if not more, uh, story where a listener adopts a ghost child. Listen, it's not a bad strategy. It's not bad. You don't have to pay for ghost college. You sure don't. So about a year and a half later, I was due with our second daughter and we were having a movie night in the living room where we proceeded to fall asleep. Our oldest was tucked into her bed, sound asleep and dreaming. Around 3 a.m. I woke up, managed to get my grizzly bear of a man up the stairs and into bed. And after laying there for 10 or so minutes, I started to hear footsteps, like our eldest had gotten out of bed and was walking around her room, out into the hallway, then stopping at the top of the stairs where she usually stands when she wants to do that creepy kid thing where they stare at you until you wake up. Mm, Love that. I rolled over, intending to tell her to get back into her bed, only to see an empty hallway. I chalked it up to hearing the old house settle and rolled back over to try to fall asleep again. It was only then that I heard her door, which is original to the house. It has lots of layers of paint. It can't move by itself and never has just like swung open in the breeze. Open. And footsteps come out into the hall again. Now I got to thinking. The first time I heard her walking, her door hadn't opened, but now it was. So as I laid frozen in my sudden realization of what was occurring, I distinctly heard her princess flashlight make its twinkle noise. I heard the (sighs) physical click of the button that makes the noise. And when I heard that, I was sure this time that she was awake. So I sat up, walked into her room, and told her to go back to sleep. But when I got there, she was asleep. She was five-year-old spread out in her bed, snoring like a Snorlax. And the (laughs) flashlight was under her bed. I was so spooked, I left the door open and buried myself in my blanket, squeezed my eyes tight, praying to fall back asleep. At that moment, I felt the bed start to violently shake. Oh, boy. I was terrified. I couldn't move. But then it hit me. My husband was running in his sleep like a dog. I kicked him and said, you need to stop. You need to wake up. I'm hearing someone walk around and you just scared the life out of me. He was groggy and confused, but stopped and fell back asleep. (laughs) It's very funny. I thought everything was done now. Fast forward about 20 minutes and I felt the corner of the bed to press on my side of the bed. I froze. I didn't move my eyes, ears, nose, fingers or toes. I simply Mm. spoke out loud. Let me sleep. Whatever was sitting on the bed didn't move, but it didn't leave me and my husband's bed. So I closed my eyes tighter and managed to force myself to fall back asleep. In the morning, it was gone. Ooh, spooky. Don't love it. Becca, be careful. Be a good mom to that ghost. Protect that ghost, baby. I've got a great way to figure out if any of these spooky things will happen to you. (gasps) Oh, no. Don't like that. It's called Pop-Tart Divination. (laughs) Oh. Sure. This comes to us from Adrian. Now, we just picked up some of those pretzel Pop-Tarts um, mm. as part of our uh, self-isolation uh, Where did you find snacks. them? I've been looking for them. Just the grocery store. I don't store. know what these are. They're pretzel Pop-Tarts, my, my dude. Pop-Tarts they're, they're, outside like is pretzel. Pop-Tart brand. Yes. yes. But they're, it's like it's like pretzel bread on the outside, right? Yes. And, and then it's like whatever cinnamon. the filling is. Yeah. It's What's the filling? Good. Like cinnamon vanilla. Oof. Whoa. Sounds so It's good. very Dunkaroo vibes, to be honest. It's great. I I want that real sounds bad. great. Well, I don't know about these pretzel pop tarts. The toaster did not did not reveal those to me in a, in a dream. <laughs> but let me tell you what 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 Adrian has written here. I had to write in to tell you about my mom's special brand of divination, pop to pop tartomancy. Oh <laughs> my god! That's right. My mom can make future predictions using pop tarts. Specifically, she can make predictions about our town's school closings based on what kind of Pop-Tarts are for sale. Seriously, it was magic. I am the eldest of four kids, so school closings and delays were an important thing for my mom to keep track of, especially when we had different bus times. Mom doesn't work on Mondays, so that is the day that she does the weekly grocery shopping. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember when she started making these predictions, especially since Pop-Tarts didn't make their way into the shopping cart all that often, I don't know why she was checking the prices. She wasn't intending to buy them. But we'd come home from school to mom watching the local weather. 
She'd say, you're not going to have school on Thursdays. Pop-tarts are for sale. <laughs> These predictions never failed. If the weather was predicting snow, ice, or hurricanes, hello from your northern neighbor, Connecticut, mm -hmm. and Pop-Tarts were on sale, school would be closed. If the weather predicted a storm and Pop-Tarts weren't on sale or only certain kinds were on sale, like the seasonal flavors, then we would have school <laughs> that day. Just in case you're wondering if the grocery store knew things we didn't about our I school board wondering. superintendent decision making, mm -hmm. our town is very small and does have a small IGA grocery store. But my mom did the weekly shopping at the big chain grocery store two towns over. So different grocery stores in different towns. There's no way these store managers, corporate salespeople slash Kellogg's had any insight onto a small town school closing decisions. I'm 30 now and none of my siblings are in school anymore. So my mom hasn't practiced her <laughs> pop tartomancy in a while. But it was accurate enough skill that we could plan ahead for an unexpected day off from school, which made snow days more fun for us and non-snowstorm days less boring. So don't forget to check the price of Pop-Tarts when a storm's coming this fall and winter season. <laughs> okay. It's very, very, I have fun. a hypothesis. Okay. Yeah. I think that when bad weather is forecast and it's bad mm -hmm. enough that they're anticipating some kind of disruption to like the supply chain of like restocking the grocery store, mm -hmm. maybe the grocery store will order more shelf-stable goods than usual and put old items on sale to move that inventory out. That way they can be freshly stocked and ready to go, even if the roads are shut for a day or two or three. Th that was what I was thinking as well. But also, I love the idea of Pop-Tart Mancy. Pop-Tartomancy is the best thing I have ever heard. All right. I think that is it for us for this week. Um, remember to stock up on your Pop-Tarts and remember to stay creepy. Stay cool. Thanks again to our sponsors. Use the code CREEPY in the DoorDash app to get $5 off your first order of $15 or more. At honeybook.com spirits, you can get 50% off your first year, whether you pay monthly or annually. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time. <laughs>